Welcome to the Well Studying Podcast. This is episode 204. It's September 2016. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Today, we're going to kick off our entrepreneur series. Every year about this time, I try and um, have a Labor Day dedication to things about jobs or career This year, I asked you what you were interested in. Most of the questions I received uh, had to do with being an entrepreneur, starting your own business, being in business for yourself. And so over the next few episodes, what I'm envisioning right now is probably over the next four episodes, I'll be dedicating specifically to entrepreneurial concepts around the questions I received. What I'm going to try and do is not digress very much and keep this in very short, succinct type episodes. To kick it off, the first episode on entrepreneurialism, I want to dedicate to fear, dealing with fear. That was a reoccurring theme in many of the questions I received, and so let's talk about it. Well, first off, if you're not fearful, well, you're probably stupid. I know that's a bad word. My mother told me I shouldn't call people stupid, and it may not be politically correct, but if you're someone that's currently thinking about starting your own business or becoming self-employed, or even if you're someone that's just thinking about switching jobs and moving to a different job, if you're not fearful, then you're not thinking it all the way through, or you're too overconfident. I mean, you should be fearful about things. You should always be fearful and concerned about the unknown, about uncertainty. That's why when we invest in things like the stock market, you pay a premium for what you assume earnings will be in the future, That premium is a fear premium because you just don't really know. And then for people that get it right, for people that bought into a stock when earnings were X and earnings went up to, you know, X plus 10, well, they're highly rewarded for that. And the reason they're rewarded is because they overcame the group fear. They saw opportunity where others didn't. And they not only talked about it, but they put their money where their mouth was and they bought a position in that stock. When the future earnings materialized, the stock price went up, those people were rewarded. It's no different whether you're switching jobs or thinking about starting your own business. The first thing that should come to your mind is, what if it doesn't work out? And that is something to be fearful of. It's also something that's very likely to happen. So what I want to emphasize to you in this episode is that fear in and of itself is something that's very healthy and you should be feeling it to some degree. If you're not, you should probably step back and reassess why you're so overconfident. And I think you'll probably maybe see some flaws in your logic. Because remember, none of us can predict the future. None of us have a crystal ball. And oftentimes, you know the old saying, the grass always looks greener on the other side. So if you're looking at switching jobs, The reason you're going to switch jobs to another company is because you you see all these great benefits. You think the boss is going to be a nicer person. Maybe you're going to move to a better community. All these positive things are going through your mind. That's the grass is greener part. Maybe you really need to look at it and say, hey, that pay raise they're offering me, well, maybe it's not really as much as I think it is because I have to move to a community that has a higher cost of living. Or maybe there's a longer commute involved. Or maybe your new boss or the people you'll be working with won't be as nice as you think they are once you're in there working with them every day. So fear is a healthy thing. I would tell you not to try and suppress it. I would suggest that you deal with it in a logical manner. And what I mean by that is try and take as much of the emotion out of it. Fear itself is an emotional response. So the way to deal with that is to try and come up with logical arguments about what you should have a concern about and what you shouldn't have a concern about. 
Well, what if you leave that very stable job or very stable career to start something on your own? Whether it's in the same field or not is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is when you start your own business, you're self-employed. And the only way you're going to receive things like health benefits or insurance or a frequently reoccurring paycheck is if you provide for it yourself. That's something to be very fearful of if you've never done it before. And that's not an irrational concern. In fact, if you're someone that constantly lives paycheck to paycheck and all you have is maybe a little emergency fund saved up or maybe not even that, then I would think that it would be extremely irrational for you to leave a stable job and try and go start your own business where there's a great deal of uncertainty of where that next paycheck is going to come from because you don't have enough cushion to absorb the uncertainties of being in business for yourself. In fact, I would say the number one reason that small businesses fail is that they're undercapitalized. There's an old saying that when you're going on vacation, you should take half the clothes and twice the money you think you're going to need. I would paraphrase that into an entrepreneurial saying where before you start a business, you should initially invest half of what you think you have to in terms of office space or tools or furnishing or computer systems or whatever. Spend half what you think you should and then at the same time start that business with twice as much money as you think you're really going to need because the unforeseen will happen. So besides undercapitalization or underfunding, the next biggest reason I would say that small businesses fail is that the entrepreneur is caught up too much in his own product or service. If you've created a widget, then you have an emotional t attachment to that widget and you think it's obviously the greatest widget in the world because you've spent your time and talent and fortune developing it. And so you think that it's going to be an automatic success and that everyone's going to want to purchase it. Well, that most likely won't be the case. And so as you're trying to analyze the fear that you have and come up with rational arguments to support it or to disarm it, think about your emotional attachment with that product or service that you're creating and realistically ask yourself or do some studies to determine how, how much in demand and how valuable other people are going to value your product or service. And you don't have to have a million dollar marketing budget to determine that. We won't cover things like that in this, in this entrepreneurial series because we're just talking about things from a high level. But the fastest and the most reliable way to tell if people are going to value the product or service you're offering is to put it out in the marketplace. You know, run a beta test on it. And this is something that you would do before you quit your day job. You start out with a product or service. You sample it and share it with your friends and family. They're all going to tell you that they love it and how great it is because the first reason is they're your friend or family and they don't want to hurt your feelings. And the second reason is you're giving it away for free. But that's where you start. You get some feedback from them. You tweak your product or service a little bit. And then you sample it out to people that are outside of your normal circle of influence. People that you don't know. People that are not related to you. People that aren't afraid of hurting your feelings. Now, you may not necessarily get honest feedback from these people, but that's okay. You're in that early phase of product development and you're sampling this product. And one way you'll know that there's not a market for your product is if you're trying to give something away and no one wants it. That may seem self-evident, but I've seen plenty of entrepreneurs that they are enamorated, they're in love with their product, and they're no longer seeing things or thinking rationally. Think about it in these terms. No mother has an ugly baby, right? Everybody thinks their baby is beautiful. And so as an entrepreneur, you're creating something that's your baby. You're not going to see its flaws. 
By putting that out into a marketplace and starting to sample with the people you don't know, you'll be able to get some quick feedback in terms of demand as to how much people value this. Here's just a funny way to think of it, but imagine you're in a big city, you're riding on a subway, you take your product, you sit it down on a seat in the subway, and then you sit across from it and you see how long it takes for somebody to steal it. That's a pretty simple way to run a test to determine what kind of perceived value your product has. Can be a little funny there, a little facetious, but you get the idea. That next phase is, other than sampling, you step up and you start to sell that product. Maybe you just put an ad in Craigslist. Maybe you solicit it among some group you belong to on Facebook. You take it to a swap meet or whatever. Somehow you get that product, though, out into the public and you attach a price to it. That's called the price discovery method. That's why the free market system or capitalism works so well. If you go back and listen to some of my previous episodes where I talk about how economics works, that's all predicated on the price discovery method. Sure, when you put something out there for free, people will take it. When you leave something on the subway, someone's going to steal it. But if you put a product or service out there and you attach a price to it, if people don't perceive the value being at least equal to the price you put on it, you're not going to sell it to anybody. Now, making a few transactions early on won't guarantee your success, but it will at least help you build that rational argument to combat your fears as to whether or not the product or service that you're offering has any value. Now, there's a whole other list of things that we can talk about that might be on your fearfulness list. But really, I think if you can come overcome those first two objectives of number one being, you know, do you have enough capital? Knowing that you're leaving a stable job, that you're most likely not going to have health insurance and all these other things that you've had, or do you have enough capital to live for a month, six months, two years, whatever it's going to take, to get this business up and running. Now, we're not going to cover all that on this particular episode, but that's where your fear is going to lie. And if you're having a rational fear saying that, hey, I'm the kind of person that lives paycheck to paycheck. I only have a couple thousand dollars saved up in an emergency fund. And when I run the numbers, it looks like I'm going to have to go, you know, three, four, five, six months before I bring in any revenue in this new business. Then that is not an irrational fear. You should be very fearful that you're undercapitalized and it's most likely not going to work out for you. Along those same lines, if you're fearful that maybe your product won't sell and you leave it on the subway and no one steals it, or you put it out on Craigslist and you ask half for it what you intend in selling and you don't ever get any calls or any questions about it, well, then again, your fear that there isn't a market for your product is no longer a fear, it's a reality. These are all things that you can do and research before you quit your day job. So take that same type of methodology and apply it to the other fears that are on your list. You know, that's really all you can hope for. You can't see the future. You can't know with certainty that you're going to have success. You're always going to be dealing with some degree of uncertainty. That's just the way the real world is. If you're thinking that, oh, I'm leaving a secure job now to go out into a very uncertain entrepreneurial world, well, the fact of the matter is the job that you hold now may not be as secure as you think it is. If you work for a company, you're simply a cog in the wheel. No matter how valuable you think you are, you can be replaced. And for those of you that are employed and very content in your current situation, you could find that because of a corporate merger or a change of management or a slowdown in the economy, then what you like about your job and what you think about your job could quickly vanish. You could find yourself working for a boss that you can't stand. You could find the products and services that your company make no longer in demand. 
or a multitude of other things that could happen that would either make your employer not want you or you not thinking it's very desirable to work at that current job. So working for one employer doesn't offer the safety or security that you may think it does. When you're an entrepreneur, what you're doing is you're taking unorganized things in the economy and you're organizing them in such a way that that's where your security is derived from. You're building your own supply and distribution chain. And if you're smart, you'll build it with a lot of branches and a lot of little roots and capillaries so that you're not dependent on one source like someone that's employed with one employer would have. Now, I just want to finish up this segment with a bit of encouragement because I don't know, maybe the tone of my voice has sounded like I think that a lot of things are stacked against you if you're undercapitalized and things like that. And that's really not the case. I do think that if you have a burning desire to be an entrepreneur, that you think that you can do things better than they're currently being done, and that you think that you can manage your time and your talents better than the way uh, the organization that you currently work for is managing them, then most likely... You can go out and be a success. So as long as you're approaching it from a rational standpoint and you've got enough capital to get you up over that hurdle, then go for it. And I say that because if you can come up with your own enterprise where you can sell products and services that support you in the lifestyle that you want to live, then I don't think that there's any happier course that you can take. Please join me in the next episode where I try and address people's next big concern, which is what they should do. You know, what product and service should they come up with to start their own small business? So until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.